Thank you very much, Karen, for ministering in music. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful that as Christ died, so much was finished. As we reflect on what was finished this morning, we want to be open. We want to be attentive. We want to be understanding what we have in Christ, what we're offering to an unsaved world for your glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. We have been discussing the gospel of Mark. We know that when Mark, or when Christ died, according to what John says, he cried, it is finished. And as we think about being finished, how do you interpret the following statements? I finished setting the table. I finished mowing the lawn. I finished washing the car. How do you interpret them? I finished setting the table. Karen. The job is done. It's done for now. But you're going to have to do it again and again and again. Same thing with the lawn. And the same thing with the car, if you keep your car no immaculate. What on earth, in terms of doing, is totally and completely finished? What on earth is totally and completely finished? I see a head going and a work, you know, the mouth, or mouth, nothing. We do again and again and again. When Jesus said in John chapter 19 and verse 30, it is finished. What did he mean by finished? What was finished? We want to reflect on that as we think about Christ's life, who he was in terms of his deity, his character, his being. And then he's on the cross after he went through his trial as he stood before the Sanhedrin, he stood before Pilate. And then he's on the cross. And he says, it is finished. And when he died, we know that the curtain of the temple was torn in two. We know that the centurion said, surely this was the son of God. What was finished? The word finish means to execute fully. Christ would have completed what God wanted him to do. It means to place in a condition of finality. It means there is nothing left to accomplish. It has been and will forever be finished. It's done. Cannot do it again. There's nothing more to be done. It's done for an eternity. Christ said, it is finished. Place of finality. There's nothing left to do. You can't do it again and again and again, as we might 
set the table, we might wash our car, we might mow the lawn. It's done. It has been and will forever be finished. The tense is the perfect indicative passive, which means it was completed once for all. When Christ said it's finished, something was completed once for all. It's completed at a point in time with permanent, continuing results. Done at a point in time. It remains finished with continuing results. Nothing else can be done. Christ finished what the Father planned for him once for all. Now stop and think about something in this world that maybe we could say is finished. It happens at a point in time and it's once for all. You were conceived at a point in time. You were born at a point in time. That is never to be repeated again. It was done once for all. And we live on into eternity. Christ, at a point in time, said it is finished. Something was executed fully. It was in a condition of finality, completed at a point in time, with nothing else that can be done. So what was done? The work of Christ on the cross involves the coin of reconciliation. Salvation, which has Two sides. A payment for sin was made. The penalty was fully paid. Nothing else can be done. The substitute Christ fulfilled what God required. It's done. You can't do anything to pay for penalty or for sin. It's been done. It's like a person who has committed a crime. And he stands before the judge, and the judge says, you will spend 10 years in prison. The person spends their 10 years in prison. They have paid the penalty. They're released. The payment has been made. Christ made the payment for sin once for all. Thus, there is forgiveness of sin for the one who comes to faith in Christ. There is a continuing walk in the present for the one who comes to faith in Christ. And there's an eternity with the Lord in the future for the one who comes to faith in Christ. It involves the past. It involves the present. It involves the future because the payment for sin was made. But also, the payment was made for victory in daily life. The power of the enemies the world, the flesh, the devil, were broken. I don't know if you've ever made the statement, oh, I'm trying to live the Christian life. Boy, living the Christian life is hard. By the way, where does Scripture say we're to live a Christian life? But it's hard, it's difficult. If the payment has been made and the victory has been won... Is it really as difficult as we make it? 
Or is it because we may not live in light of the fact that it has been finished? Many times we may talk about the fact in Christianity that I've trusted in Christ, my sin has been forgiven, I'm going to heaven. Period. No. In the present, it is finished. It's not an issue of my trying. It's not an issue of pushing harder. It's an issue of being dependent upon Christ and what he has finished. I have a $5 bill here. It's not in a bag like last Sunday. And I need a volunteer. (laughs) Well, I got all kinds of volunteers today. I think I saw your hand first, Abby. You've got to be quicker when you see me pull out money. I have a challenge for Abby. She can think about this for a while if she can't do it. You will see that this $5 bill has a front and it has a back. What I want Abby to do is to take this $5 bill. I want, to, want her to separate the front from the back and still have a $5 bill. I want you to separate the front of this $5 bill from the back of it so that you have two pieces that are separated. But it's one piece of paper. Not two together. Oh. You may have it. Now keep, about, keep that in mind. You have a penalty for sin paid. You have victory in Christ won. They're a unit. It's not one or the other. They're a unit. So this morning we want to look some at what is involved in the penalty being paid But the victory that we have in Christ, it's not one or the other. They are a unit. And want to look at different aspects of that. And we'll begin by taking our Bibles and going to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, in terms of payment for sin being made. Hebrews chapter 9. The writer of Hebrews is talking about Christ. And there's a couple of themes that run through Hebrews. One of them is Christ is better than. Christ is better than Moses. Christ is better than Aaron. Christ is better than the prophets. He's better than all the Old Testament system of sacrifice. Another theme that runs throughout Hebrews is genuine faith perseveres. Hebrews 9 And let's look at verse 11. When Christ came as a high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater, more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made. That is to say, not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. 
the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean. Sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleansed our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Notice in verse 12, he entered the most holy place, the one not made with hands by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. Look at verse 28. Well, let's go to 23 of Hebrews 9. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one, He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way high priests enter the most holy place every year, with blood that is not their own. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Verse 28, Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. Look at chapter 10 and verse 11. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, referring to Christ, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. One sacrifice once for all. And you'll find that that is emphasized in Hebrews. The payment for sin was made once for all. But not only was the payment for sin made, Victory, if you want to use the term victory in daily life, was also provided. Let's go to Colossians chapter 2. First John would talk about the fact that we can have victory over the world, but in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9, Colossians 2 and verse 9. And as Paul writes to the believers in Colossae, he writes to correct some doctrine that they were being confronted with that Christ is one of a series that you go through to get to God. And Paul comes very, very strong upon the fact that Christ is deity. He came in the flesh. He arose. 
And in Christ, we have all that we need. Look at Colossians 2 and verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Christ came, he lived. He was deity. His characterized identity as being as revealed in the Gospels is clearly stated. He was deity in bodily form. And then he says in verse 10, And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Deity of Christ, you've been given fullness. And the idea in the tense of fullness here is that you have been filled full when you come to faith in Christ at a point in time, and you remain filled full. You can't get it. You can't be filled anymore. You remain filled full the balance of your life. He goes on in verse 11, In him, in Christ, you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. So a spiritual circumcision... And what, was that, or what does that spiritual circumcision involve? Or involve, rather, the putting off of the sinful nature. And that would tie in with Romans chapter 6 also. Victory is in the cross. Now let's go back to Hebrew, or stay in Colossians for one second in verse 15. He continues to talk about Christ. And in verse 15 he says... And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he, Christ, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Disarm the powers and authorities. Satan, his demons, are disarmed. Years ago, when I, we were lived in the parsonage, and I was jogging up the road, I was letting up the road here a short distance, I thought, hmm, there's a dog that I have not seen before. And I don't know, you learn to read dogs if you jog, and he just looked kind of mean and nasty. Never ran into him before, never, I didn't carry a stick. And lo and behold, the owner stepped out just in time and called the dog off. There was another day I jogged again and I had to stick that day because I thought this dog might come out and he came out again and he was coming at me and I could see his teeth and the owner called him off. You know, he came out just in the nick of time. But what if I looked at that dog and had his mouth wide open and there's no teeth there? And so I'm not going to worry too much about this dog. Satan, his demons, have been disarmed. They've been defeated. How? Through the cross. Their final defeat is yet future. If you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 2, tied in with that defeat in verse 11, Hebrews 2. Hebrews chapter 2. 
and verse 14, not 11. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. He might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. How was that done? Christ coming, taking upon himself human form, going to the cross, crying it is finished, and coming from the dead. So we have a $5 bill, we have a front, the penalty for sin has been paid, we have the back, victory in daily living has already been won. And we could look at numerous other scriptures, but we won't at this point in time. Now the penalty, the payment for sin, is Christ and Christ alone. You can't add to Christ. It's Christ alone. So I stand before God someday, and God says, Dan Brubaker, your sins, Christ. But also understand when it comes to day-by-day living, it is Christ alone. It's not in another book. It's not in learning some new truth. It's not in trying harder. It's in relying upon what Christ has done. depending upon him. How many times do we say, well, I'll try a little harder to live well. And we blow it. And we blow it. And then someone says, well, get up and try again. And Christ says, quit trying and rely. I already won the victory. It's in the cross. When I said it is finished, the penalty was paid. The victory in daily living has been accomplished. And that's why Paul says in Romans chapter 6, count yourself dead to sin. Now to amplify that even further, the penalty for sin is paid. Again, that's through the cross. There's no works that can be done. There's no effort. There's no adding to. But in the same way, power of the enemy or enemies has been broken. They have already been defeated. The world, the flesh, the devil, they have been defeated. It's done. Well, I got to try. It depends so much on me. If it depends upon you, we don't have any victory. I didn't say you don't make choices, but it's not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon Christ and what he has already done. See, if we're not careful, we say we come to faith in Christ, we come to eternal life with Christ, but then we try to live day by day, and God says, no, the day by day living is by faith in what Christ has already done. 
So amplifying upon that even more, the payment for sin is past, present, and future. Christ took care of sins past, present, and future. But it's also in the present that there's victory through Christ. It's in the present. Our sin is dealt with through faith in Christ. Victory in daily life is by faith. Listen as I read a verse from Colossians chapter 2. Where Paul says, So then, just as you've received Christ, he's talking about faith in Christ, Christ alone. As you receive Christ as Lord, continue to live in him. We come to faith in Christ, and it's Christ alone. Continue to live in him by faith in what he has done on the cross. So you get up tomorrow morning and you say, well, I'm not supposed to worry today. I'll try not to worry. I'll try not to worry. I'll try not to worry. And you go off about your daily does and you think, Lord, I don't want to worry. What have you been walking in? Worry. So you think about tomorrow morning, well, I shouldn't worry today. And you're tempted to worry. Temptation is not the issue, as we'll find next week. You say, I shouldn't worry. And you say, Lord, I don't want to worry. But I realize that when Christ died on the cross, he defeated my sin nature. It's already been conquered. Satan has been defeated. The world system has been defeated. I'm counting myself dead to sin. I'm choosing not to worry. And I'm going to begin to praise you. Well, you say 10 minutes later, I'm tempted to worry again. Count yourself dead to worry again. See, it's in Christ, not only the penalty for sin, but the victory in day by day living because it's Christ alone in payment for sin and it's Christ alone in victory in day by day living. Yes, we make choices. We reckon ourselves dead to sin, as we'll discuss next week, but it's dependent upon Christ and Christ alone. Imagine that you're flying at 35,000 feet and you're going through some turbulence. And you tend to worry if turbulence gets too bad. And we'll say the turbulence gets quite bad. And you think, you know, maybe I can help the airplane here. I'm going to try to become weightless. No, I'm just going to jump. And maybe the plane won't have as much weight to carry. Or I'm going to try to just steady the plane. You can do that till the cows come home. 
you're dependent upon the plane, no matter what you do. And in our day-by-day living, no matter what we do, we're dependent upon Christ. We make choices. We obey. Yes. But that is dependent upon Christ. When Jesus said, it is finished, the penalty was complete. The payment was made. But the victory was also won. We don't try to have victory. It's already been won. We respond to the victory that has already been won. And we'll build more upon that, Lord willing, next Sunday. As we think about the cross, as we think about it is finished, let's take our hymnals and turn to hymn 264, singing together about Christ and what he has done.